Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Once in a while, occasionally in daily masses, I don't know, I feel like the Lord sometimes gives me a word that's just a little bit um, richer and thicker for you than uh, on other days. So here comes a lot at you at 8 o'clock in the morning. So just sit back and buckle up, okay? That's where we're going. There's a good chance that we missed what we were really hearing or what we were really saying in this responsorial psalm. What was the psalm actually saying? I, I, know, I know how it goes. I know how it is, especially daily mass, first reading, psalm, alleluia, gospel, moving into the homily. The psalm is often just this sort of interlude that we are just saying in between the readings. And uh, I, don't know, I, I mean, I fall into it as sort of robotic repetition of what the response is, and you kind of don't even hear yourself saying what you're saying. There's a lot packed into those psalms. Let's just say a real quick word about what, what's the point of the responsorial psalm? What is the point of having the psalms in the liturgy in the first place? Well, the psalms, the psalms are the prayer of the church, the prayer, if you will, of the bride. It's the voice of the bride. You know, if you were in ancient Israel, the psalms were the, it's the voice of Israel in response to Yahweh. It's why all throughout you see Jesus praying the Psalms. The, the apostles would have been praying the Psalms. What was Mary teaching Jesus to pray? The Psalms. Even today, right, as a priest, someone who's said vows, the prayer of the church is the liturgy of the hours. So all throughout the day, at different points throughout the day, priests, bishops, deacons, religious, we pause and we pray the Psalms. We're giving voice to the church back to the Lord, the voice of the bride back to the bridegroom. And think about the way that we describe it. It's the responsorial psalm. It's a response. It's a response. So you have the first reading. Who's speaking there? You've got the Lord speaking, right? At the conclusion of the first reading, we hear the word of the Lord. So the Lord just spoke. He just spoke. Then comes the bride's turn to speak. The church's turn to speak. It's how this works. It's, the liturgy is a, is a dialogue. It's a dance. Give and take. I'm speaking. You're speaking. Bridegroom's speaking. The church is speaking. And it's not as though the response that the church speaks, it's not as though it's just like, okay, you get to say anything now after the first reading. The bride's response is, is, is very particular. Again, it's the Psalms. We respond with inspired words. Words that are breathed by the Holy Spirit, right? They have the fragrance of the Spirit on them. In the center of the Bible, you've got the Song of Songs. It's the, oh, it's the, it's the, center, it's the centerpiece, if you will, of the entire uh, biblical revelation in some ways. It speaks of this longing, this love story between a bridegroom and a bride. And at one point in the Song of Songs, at one point, the bridegroom is described as an apple tree. I know, interesting imagery. He's described as an apple tree. And the bride, at a certain point, is described as having the fragrance of apples on her breath. Her breath smells, if you will, of the bridegroom. That's what the psalm response is. It's the fragrance of the bridegroom's love in the breath of the bride as we respond to him. 
right? We respond with Holy Spirit-inspired words. Now look, I know, all right, this is a lot, like I said, for 8 o'clock in the morning, but I'm not making this up. This is how the church has always envisioned what liturgy is, like what it is that we do here. Back to the psalm itself. So the psalm that we just prayed was Psalm 45. Again, we might have missed it, but these are the words. Hear, O daughter, and see, turn your ear. Forget your people and your father's house, so shall the king desire your beauty. For he is your Lord, and you must worship him. All glorious is she as she enters. Her raiment is threaded with spun gold, embroidered in embroidered apparel. She is born into the king. Behind her, the virgins of her train are brought to you. They are born in with gladness and joy. They enter the palace of the king. What is happening in this psalm? The bride, adorned in unspeakable beauty, she's being escorted into the bridal chamber of the king who desires her beauty. Friends, that's what's happening in the Mass. Yesterday I I shared how the gospel we heard is happening in the Mass. The psalm we just heard is happening in the Mass. He is here. He who is the bridegroom. He who is the King. And what does he desire? You. (laughs) His bride. He desires your beauty. He desires that you be filled with beauty. That's who Jesus is looking at at this very moment. He's looking at you. He's looking at your entire heart, your entire story, every part of you. He looks at you and says, I desire all of it. Not just the more presentable things, not the parts that you're more proud of or impressed by. I desire all of it. I desire your beauty. Which is an interesting phrase. I desire that you would be beautiful, is what he's saying. Then you think of Ephesians 5, where it's the love of the bridegroom who makes the bride immaculate, immaculate, without blemish, all beautiful. You go to the bridegroom in the Song of Songs, you are all beautiful, my love. You are all beautiful, my dove. Like the love of the bridegroom is what makes the bride beautiful. Right? God is beauty. It's another name for him. Like capital B, beauty. All of the little beauties that we see in this world are just little glimpses of his infinite beauty. And his desire is that we would become beautiful. That we would be what he is. That we would, by grace, be transformed and transfigured in his love. In a moment here, you will approach him. The king, the bridegroom, As C.S. Lewis says, the hunter, you'll open, you'll receive him. Again, grace builds on nature. Like all of the natural imagery of earthly love is just a sign that points to the reality of mystical union with Jesus being filled with divine love. Again, it's not merely metaphor, right? In history... There was a woman, all beautiful, who opened herself so fully and received divine love into the depth of her being so completely that she was filled with divine grace. This is why St. John Paul II 
refers to the Eucharist as the sacrament of the bridegroom and the bride. Not matrimony, where you actually have a bridegroom and a bride, but Eucharist, Mass. The sacrament of the bridegroom and the bride. Back to this psalm response, right? He speaks. She listens and receives. She responds in love, speaking again, giving and receiving, breathing out, breathing in, responding. To what end? Union. Communion. Holy communion is the goal. That's what all of this is about. That the two might become one now and into eternity. And all of that is just happening right here in this little Mass. Amen.